Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman. We are here with our friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And joining us later in the show, we're very excited to welcome Kayla Gray, who is the host and executive producer of The Shift. The very first episode will be airing, uh, depending on when you listen to this, Thursday night. So this week, this podcast, we'll hopefully have it out, and then you can go and check it out. And I'm sure you can check it out uh, beyond the premiere time as well. Guys, before we get to Kayla... What's been going on? What are we talking about? Lots happening. Elon Musk hosted SNL. Max, you wanted to talk about a whole myriad of things. Volunteering. Uh, you, we were talking off mic and you said, hold it, I want to talk about it on the pod. So I'm just going to let you take it right now and, and lead us to where we're going. Well, for our listeners, we just finished a 35-minute interview with uh, Kayla. And then Shane said, I have to go to the bathroom. And I mentioned <laughs> that we, on a previous podcast, we talked about our pee training that Shane and I are trying to go through about how many times in the night that we wake up to go to the bathroom. I had a bad one yesterday. See, okay. So, um, or this morning, I should say. So I hung out with my friend, uh, Jossie, who's a physiotherapist. I mentioned, she heard the pod. She mentioned to me that we have to train you out of that. And so when I, when she said that she reframed this whole problem where it's not a physical thing, it's a mental thing. Hmm. So then the last few nights before I go to bed, I just say, hey, Max, it's not going to happen tonight, buddy. You're, you're not going to the bathroom. And I haven't. Like I, I started going from like maybe two to three times a night to maybe one time at like six in the morning and sometimes <laughs> not at all. So anyway, for anybody else who's struggling with that, you just have to give yourself a pep talk and you're good to go. It's about being in your subconscious. Yeah, Yeah, it's like that with uh, insomnia too. Like if you wake up at a certain time every night just without having to go pee, if you just tell yourself not to, your brain will set an alarm clock to do something or to not do it. And just for clarification, uh, and maybe you're you've never heard us before. You're a Kayla Gray fan. You've you've tuned in. The, <laughs> the past episode, they they clarified that they woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. They weren't going to the bathroom in the bed. Their problem no, no, isn't no, no, that no. they're wetting the bed. It's that in their older age, they're now <laughs> having disrupted sleep. Yes, that's no. So anyway, we just want to report that. And Shane, something we can work on together. Maybe that'll be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Potty training my uh, daughter right now. I didn't think I'd have to also be potty training. But yeah, <laughs> something you can do together. And she did take a uh, she did take a, a dump yesterday for the first time on the potty. So shout outs to uh, Lucy. Oh yeah, I heard the listening. Yeah, good for her. That's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Speaking of sort of medical oddities, uh, I've been given um, <laughs> permission to speak about. Is taking a dump on the potty <laughs> a medical oddity? Max, where are you going? Um. Well, okay, so my good friend, uh, Book Club Maddie, and he's given me permission to talk about this. He's been through a very odd uh, medical issue, which I kind of mm. almost want to get him on the pod to talk about it because it's very... I'm intrigued. It's very unusual. Love um, Maddie. He basically... Shout out to him. The, the, the short, the short uh, story here is that I went over to see him last weekend because he lives by himself and he doesn't really see anybody aside from his family and, and me. And he was sort of like not responding to me. And so we kind of took him to the hospital. Turns out he's been diagnosed. They gave him some antibiotics. He's totally fine now. It feels like a, like a miracle. But while this was happening, I was like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this medical mystery. And you start like Googling things. And I was trying to come up with ideas. Um, and another thing happened where like a friend told me about a story he heard from his doctor about somebody involved in the medical system that is corrupt. That's all I, that's all I can say, but basically there's some corruption happening in the medical system here in Canada. And that was what, that was like 
passed on from a friend from a friend. I was like, I'm going to blow this case. I'm going to blow it open. And I'm going <laughs> to... So I started Googling the guy's name and I was trying to find... connect. Anyway, I could not find any connection <laughs> between this guy and the accusation. So I was like, this guy's doing a really good job of covering his tracks. <laughs> That's why I'm not going to talk about this his name publicly on the podcast. Because mm. um, you have blown open things. Like recently, and I'm surprised you haven't brought it up, you overturned the Park Beer Band. Oh, Oh. single-handedly max and todd a former podcast todd leggett brought it to my attention oh well i did i did call them out saying that it was stupid of the city of toronto to uh to to want to like arrest and fine people for drinking in the park and then they they did overturn it so thank you thank you todd for remembering that and shouts to todd excellent podcast guest <laughs> lots of great feedback on the totally last episode. redeemed yourself man yeah um <laughs> anyway quick backstory todd was a little upset at the way max was responding to his story <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Which I'll get to that in a second. Anyway, okay. Uh, but uh, have you guys ever gone down the rabbit hole and trying to crack something that's sort of like out of your domain? I guess mm. is my question. Have you ever like investigated something that you're like really fired up on that you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this out and I'm gonna let people know that I'm the smart one. The uh, the only thing that comes to mind is when I was about 17, uh, I had a six pack of beer. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I left, like I left for a while, but being much of my friends were drinking behind the apartment buildings on Mohawk road here in Hamilton on the West mountain. And when I returned from a, uh, a leak in the field, uh, two of my beers were missing mm. and none of my friends would admit who took two of my six beers. And I got so intense. I wouldn't let it go. I would not <laughs> let it go because listen, I, I, didn't have a lot of money growing up. So those six beers cost me a lot of money for me and uh, I would not let it go. And I eventually got to the bottom of who it was because they, after about an hour and a half of me being relentless, they were like, if you just drop it, it was me. I'll buy you a full six pack again. And I was like, that's all I was looking for. Case closed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is I remember it once we were partying at Veer Mansion and you had a, a bunch of money go missing <laughs> and you did like, you were upset for like five minutes and then fine with it. <laughs> But just the, the fact that two beers went missing and you lose your money. Well, the difference is <laughs> I was funny. 17 for the two beers. And when the money went missing, at that point, I was working at much and I was doing all right. And I, I was it was troubling that money went missing from my house during a party. But I, at that point, I, I was doing all right. So I was like, what am I? You know, it's 100 bucks. I'll, you know, I'll yeah, live. So yeah. I so over time and age, you know, it's all relativity. Right. So like mm -hmm, two beers yeah. when I'm 17 was like, you know, it was gold. A uh, hundred bucks when I was whatever, 23 or whatever was like 24. It was it wasn't as intense. But I remember that. It's funny you brought that up. Shane, it feels like you're always trying to get to the bottom of things. Like, right? I feel like I your whole goddamn life is just you like trying to like <laughs> prove people wrong and like going, uh-huh. Like that's your thing. I am. I do do a lot of deep diving and research. Most of it's though trying to figure out like, oh, like I have a fear of belly buttons. What's that called? And then I'll keep researching uh, okay. it and then I'll like uh, uh, the other day, I like re we're doing a book club and I realized I cannot retain information or read. And I, I was Googling it, Googling it, all my problems because I'm like, OK, it's taken me eight hours to read 60 pages. That doesn't seem realistic. And I can't remember anything going on in this. And uh, all the words are jumbled and they're flipping around on me and I was trying to read and I was reversing the words so I think I may be dyslexic ah. so I'm and I, I you know I like finding out something that justifies my ineptness at something sure. in like a medical way so that becomes my obsessiveness to oh I'm not not smart it's this excuse and this excuse sure. in fact proves that I'm unique 
That's mm. that's my main obsessive thing to be Googling. Guys, I fuck, I'm, so I, I try not to lead a stressful life. Like anything that might be stressful, I just kind of don't deal with it. Just because I'm like, oh, I just don't need that in my life. So we had this book club with uh, all of our Hamilton pals. Oh, we've so, talked about it on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. You're using it in past tense, man. Okay, oh, we have. So sorry, we book. have. Isn't today and, the and, day yeah. or is it the 13th? It's the 13th. The 13th okay. is the day that we're supposed to get together to discuss it. And full disclosure is that when people started talking about this idea and they're like, what book do you want to read? I was like 30 pages into a book and I said, what about this book? Mm-hmm. And then, cause I was, I'd already started something and it was like a New York city crime drama. It was recommended to me actually by book club Maddie. And now it's, it's stressing me out so much because this book is, it's a good book. And this guy is like a very respected writer. He won, wins all kind of book prizes and stuff. And he like wrote in the wire and the HBO's the night of, but I can't finish it. I've I've actually downloaded the audiobook, so I'm frantically listening to the audiobook as I do everything. And this book club is becoming so fucking stressful. <laughs> I know. It's brutal. Like Mike, how are you handling it? You're in this club. I am, but what happened was uh because you wanted to have uh <laughs> Amanda Ripley on who's the author of uh High Conflict, which I could read pretty quickly. Transferred yeah. his book. So yeah. what happened was I was like I was going to read the book club book, but I for the podcast Maxi gave me this so I had to read High Conflict. And and so what I did was I allowed myself the forgiveness of if I don't get around to uh, Lush Life, which Jules did drop off to me, which was very nice of him to loan me the, the copy. Uh, it's it's sitting there looking at me, but I feel no guilt about it. And who knows? Maybe maybe I'll spend the next 48 hours reading it. But I got a feeling that on the 13th, when you guys get on the call, Max seems like you might not be there. I, I probably will not be on I, that Zoom. I, I cannot be there either. Because, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm glad you guys came forward with your confessions because I had something to tell you also. I honestly, guys, I can't read. What? I can't read. <laughs> Thank you for your support. Um, but but it, it is a problem. Like uh, words, I can say words. I can read out loud. You're I can the say podcast. the words. You can say words. Yeah. I can say, but I mean, book words on a page. Oh, I okay, okay. I could read a teleprompter, but it is hard for me to retain anything and not be constantly flipping the words. So I'm just rereading the same sentences. And these crime novels and jumping, it's like jumping around like Pulp Fiction. Yeah. It's, I don't like that in my books. <laughs> it's hard. Like the, yeah. the audiobook is actually kind of nice to listen to because it's like this dude with like a growly New York City accent and you can actually like mm-hmm. follow it along. Uh, and, and and the tone and the intonation that he uses in different characters is really helpful because otherwise it's just like, you know, what the fuck? Am, yeah, yeah. God, it's brutal. I like biographies. I can read those. I can follow that. I understand the story. It goes nice and chronological. It's funny you say that because Seth Rogen uh, just came out with a book that seems to be sort of like a series of memoirs and sort of interesting Hollywood tales sort of his life. Like there's like unflattering stories of the time that he met with like George Lucas or like Nicolas Cage. And by oh, that's all accounts- That's why he's doing all the podcasts right now. Yes, he's doing the rounds. Oh, okay. But by all accounts, this book is like amazing and hilarious. So it's funny as I was kind of going through Twitter, I was like- yeah, I think I might order that book, which would probably knock out like this Lush Life book. Uh, but mm-hmm. then he tweeted yesterday, I saw that he's like, sorry for the delay in the audio book. He's like, but what happened is every actor is now going to join my audio book, including some of the people that are in the stories. So like, it's oh, like he might get wow. George Lucas to do George Lucas in the audio book. So that's delaying it because now everybody's kind of involved in doing the audio book. So you might want to hold out for the audio book, which could be this amazing sort of experience with a myriad of actors. Seth Rogen's got to figure it out, man. 
big time. Like, yeah, that article, he is a cover story in New York Times Magazine, and it's awesome. I, I highly recommend everybody listening to read that. You can just read it online before you read his book because, it, yeah, he's a very, like, enlightened, funny dude, as we know. Um, so, so, so none of us are going to be in this book club in two days? I mean, I'm almost at the end, to be honest, no. because I've been racing through it. Uh, like, I was playing basketball yesterday with my headphones on, and I was just, like, shooting around listening to the audiobook, so that's helping me get through it. You know, speaking of, I mean, we're recording this uh, on Tuesday the 11th. Uh, we won't be recording when our good friend Shane Cunningham has a birthday. Uh, Shane, you have a birthday True. coming up. I was up. just about to bring that up, but I'm <laughs> glad you did, so I can make it seem like I wasn't going to. Were you actually going to bring it up? Well, I was going to put that in my my litany of excuses to be like oh it's my birthday tomorrow and i can't like in this work project you and i are both working yeah. on is kind of derailed yeah. free, a lot of free time i yeah it's crazy um but our listeners may or may not know we've talked about this in the pub before but you and your daughter lucy are both born on may 12th you share a birthday mm, so tomorrow's yes. a big day in we the do. cunningham household yep three and 38 wow I think it's my friend Eli's birthday tomorrow too. Okay. No, so that's why Max can't make the book club. You know, he's got to. Yeah. But no, but isn't book club Thursday? I think it's Thursday. We actually. Thursday. I'm going to be so hungover, <laughs> Max. That's what uh, I'm saying. Well, the partying starts very early. Speaking of family, uh, my sister reached out to me because her daughter Emma uh, is 14 years old and kind of bored right now. She hasn't been in class, um, and she said, "Do you have any ideas for a place where Emma can volunteer?" Uh, and I said, and I said, okay, I'll think about it. Anyway, there's there's a farmer's market that's opening up right around the corner from my place. And I said, oh, maybe she could volunteer at the farmer's market. So basically, like, I suggested that. Emma agreed to do it. And Emma is um, is basically, like, the definition of, like, you know, those, like, mopey uh, 14-year-olds, you know, when they stop, like, liking you? Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, so she, but she agreed to do it. And... Um, we went to the orientation together. The person who runs the farmer's market has been doing it for 14 years and has a real system of like how she wants things to be done. So we're like, okay, okay. So everybody like really gets in line. So the first farmer's market was last Tuesday. The next one is this Tuesday that, and I'm going there in a couple hours. And so we were stationed um, on kind of in the middle of the farmer's market, but we had to direct people to the, the entrance because there's only one way traffic flow. And the director of the farmer's market said, it's very important that we make sure that nobody gets by you because we have this whole thing sort of like fenced off. People have to enter through the entrance and go one way because of COVID protocols. We can't be shut down. It's very, very important that you do this. I mean, keep in mind, it was like a sort of rainy Tuesday afternoon with like not that many people there, but I was like, yes, yes, yes. Okay, got it. So then people were trying to cut through the middle of the farmer's market where I was standing. And I said, no, 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 you got to go around. This is this part. We're here. We're security guards. We got to, we can't do that. And then uh, this guy came up to me and he was like, Hey, like my, and he was an older gentleman. He's like, my leg really hurts. Um, can I just go in this way? I'm like, sorry, sir. You can't do that. You have to go around. And he's like my leg. It's like in a lot of pain. And then I was like, I'll have to speak to my supervisor. So then I kept on, I kept on every time anybody had any question for me, I'm so afraid of this, of the director of the farmer's market that I was just like, I'll be right back. I'm going to speak to my supervisor. I had to take a business call. Uh, like I had my headphones on and then the assistant uh, supervisor was walking towards me. I was like, gotta go. And I hung up the phone. Wow. And so anyway, it just made me think about um, you know, there's been so many instances as a customer where I get really annoyed with with people where I'm like, use your fucking head. 
Just use common sense. What the fuck is wrong with you? This is what I'm thinking to myself. I swear a lot no, at customer no, service. No, I, I don't. People. I don't actually say that to customer service. I'm usually quite nice, but it's usually what I'm thinking when somebody has like a dumb reason. They're like, "Oh, we can't do it. It's against the rules." But then, for the first time in like, I don't know, 15 years that I actually had a boss telling me what to do, I did exactly that thing. So. Um, Did you let him through or no? No, he just walked away. He was like, fuck this guy. I, I'm. This is so stupid. This is ridiculous. While I was uh, looking to talk to my supervisor. Um, but uh, anyway, that's my volunteering story. Uh, do, have you guys, do you guys, like, how do you respond to authority? Are you afraid of authority? Have you been in this situation yes. lately? <laughs> yes. Yeah. The second I find out somebody's the boss, I can, it's very hard for me to be their friend. Oh, their friend. Do you listen to them though? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I listen and respect authority. I fear authority. I never want to be yelled at. I never want to let anyone down. Oh, wow. But I can't be their peer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mike? What about you? Uh, Mike. Mike's good at being friends with authority. You're talking about Randall specifically, right? <laughs> no, a- anyone. Honestly, anyone. Like head ups will swing by Mike's desk and just talk. Chop it up. I, yeah. I I just I think it's like this I think it's just that always that idea that like ev- everybody's like the same like I just I'm just like oh they just have a better job than me you know what I mean and it's like I I think I could probably figure out their skill set like not and that maybe is delusional but I just always have this idea that it's like like when I first started working at Much Music and like rock stars would come in I just always felt very much like no I know how to write a song like I, I know how to yeah, do that I'm wow. like they just got they just they just they they hit like um like a, a secret code or something like they, they had something that worked and now they're here. But I was just like, that could be like the band that I played with last week at the thing. Or like, if it was somebody in a creative position, I, again, like Shane, like I respect the authority. I'm like, yo, and I respect like a body of work, but I'm always just like, Oh, they're just, they're operating at like maybe like a more like a proficient level or whatever. But at the end of the day, they still, you know, go home to their families or go to the pub or whatever that is. So I, that thought just always keeps things very like on an even playing, like plane for me in interaction socially for sure. But I, I like, you know, I, I absolutely respect the chain of authority. And if my boss has something to say, you know, I'll listen to that or I'll share my opinion. And then once they make a call, I I'll execute that. But yeah. Uh, so I'm not like, I'm not scared of bosses. Yeah. Celebrities for me are easy to talk to. I, I, I know a lot about them. I, I feel like I can be friends with them because I'm closer in personality to a celebrity, but I feel like people of authority are just cut from a different cloth that I can't relate to. Okay. Well, the second part of the story is that I, um, the, the supervisor at the market asked somebody to make a sign um, that says like the church that's sort of next to the property supports the farmer's market. And they said, we have this, this real estate and we want to make a sign. Does anybody have any artistic skill that can make us the sign? And then I was like, Emma, she's going to grade nine. She's going to an art school. She got into this arts program because she's a visual artist. Emma you volunteered will do it. her? Yeah, yeah, oh, I did. Oh, Max. <laughs> Max. I, thought it, I thought it was being a proactive uncle. And so Emma just like looks at me. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Is what she's thinking <laughs> with her eyes. Um, and then, but then of course, so I'm telling her, okay, Emma, you got a week to do it. And then she didn't do it last week. Uh, but then the director was like, hey, did Emma, did, I heard you're going to do the thing. How's it going? And um, anyway, uh, she's doing it for this week. Um and I always thought that I, ha- I could like charm anyone. I could be friends with anybody, but it feels like my style of like kind of people management isn't working with thirteen-year-old nieces, fourteen-year-old nieces. Uh, are, are, um, wh- I guess my question for you guys: What do you think your daughters are going to be like when they become fourteen years old? 
You want to take that first, Shane? Yeah, I feel like Lucy, uh, so far she's exhibiting a lot of like Alex-like personality traits, Mm. which is very social and outgoing and confident and like I can take on anything type of role. Mm. I feel like she'd be like that. Maybe Betty, she's a bit more of a quiet baby. Mm. So she might be a little bit more like me, more reserved. Okay. Do you think, did Alex go through a rebellious period? No, she... She's not, she drank like when she was a teenager, but I think most people did. Mm-hmm. Maybe she stole my two beers. <laughs> yeah. Yoink. No, but she maybe, maybe like a, a, a boy crazy type of rebellion. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if that's rebellious, but just like that might make me nervous if Lucy was like dating early. Mm. Mike, what about Winona? Yeah. I mean, I, ha- I have no idea uh, based on sort of toddler behavior. I think there are times where I feel like I can reason with her and like charm her to like, sort of be like, no, like this is what we're doing now. And this is why you got to do it. And then there's time where she's just like, fuck no. And I'm just like, wow, like nothing's working. Like it's like they, th- those things you tell you, they tell you about parenting where it's like the trick that worked last week doesn't work anymore. And she's displaying defiance. And now I'm like, oh, I'm kind of out of options unless I, uh, I don't know, stick her in her room. And I don't think that's the play. So then you, now I'm like, well, this is turning out to be a little more difficult than I thought it was going to be. So I just extrapolate that to, you know, 12 years from now when she's 14 or whatever. And I'm like, Ooh, I I hope that I can reason with her and that she's inherently a good kid with a kind heart. This is why I couldn't be a dad. I'd be so fucking annoyed because even (laughs) this, this little incident with my niece who I really love and care for, I'm just like, yo, I'm on your fucking team. (laughs) <laughs> I'm buying you shit. Like, what the fuck is wrong? Why won't you just be a good hang right now? Jesus Christ. It's like, just smile for me for one fucking second. I don't know. I, it would be, yeah. I just, yeah, it's hard. Hey, maybe you'll grow into it if you ever decide to uh, join the parent club. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's get to, <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about Elon Musk now. Let's hit Elon really quickly. Mm-hmm. Did all of us watch SNL? I did. Okay, Shaney boy? 60% of it. Hey, all right, that's good. Uh, what were our overall impressions of Elon? It, it didn't seem like they gave him, like there's two types of ways that SNL handles people. They give, like when The Rock is on, they make him the main character in sketches and they make him the main laugh points. With him, it seemed like they weren't as confident in his abilities. So he was just the, like like what they'd give a guy who maybe is his first year at SNL treatment, which is he just comes in for little punchy lines one now and again. But it, from what I saw, he was never the main character. What do you think overall, Max, of his energy, of his vibe? You know, it's funny. We all know the name Elon Musk and we see his tweets and we saw like the one clip on Rogan. And he was actually slightly more charming or something than or like likable, may I should say, than I thought. And I didn't realize that he had Asperger's and that kind of changed the way you, you view him a little bit. Yeah, I think that was the first time he ever announced it. Mm. Too. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I thought uh, I thought it was it was fine. I was interested in the whole conversation around Dogecoin, about how that, that tanked immediately after he started talking about Dogecoin. On, and that's his like cryptocurrency, right? Or the thing that he champions. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Mikey, like, did, did you, like what, do, what, do, what do you make of this whole thing? I was surprised at how much I laughed in the first couple, like, yeah, like, he, uh, honestly, like, his energy and vibe was so weird and bizarre, and it had a real uh, Bert vibe, and that reference is to, mm-hmm. Shane used to shoot a lot uh, with Bert, he's talked about it on this podcast, he was, like, an older man that Shane met, and Shane used him in a ton of Shane's early, like, sort of, like, uh, films and stuff like that, and his YouTube clips and sketches, Uh 
And there's, there was almost like an unintentional sort of like rhythm to Elon that I found engaging. But then at times he actually nailed like lines in a funny way. Uh, like I thought his monologue was funny. I thought that the, mm-hmm. the, the, the sketch where it was like hospital Z or general Z hospital or whatever, it's all like generation Z and they're all in the hospital. It's like, whatever we could talk about the sort of concert of that sketch and sort of older people making fun of the younger generation and how that's a little tired in and of itself. But the execution and the way he delivered his lines as the doctor literally was making me laugh out loud and i couldn't i couldn't tell if i was laughing at like it's so bad that it's funny or if i'm like but i was confused i'm like actually some of this is good so i'm kind of laughing at everything like and and i actually i i would give him a passing grade i thought he was compelling to watch and just charming enough and kind of like funny and you know he's an outsider so you you grade him on a lower curve and uh i yeah i found i found i thought he did a good job like i was surprised at how engaging uh the whole thing was yeah, with the doctor's sketch, they really played to how he talks anyway. Like, doctors are looked at as people who talk that way. His normal speaking rhythm is very, like, doctor. Totally. And just, like, with all of, like, the catchphrase lines, you know what I mean? And then, like, oh, like, she's dead. No, she's, like, literally dead. You mean, oh, she's laughing? Like, you know, like, all that sort of, like, the writing bits worked. And the way he would, like, come back, it just, it, it all worked for me. Um like I thought the bit where he talks about sending the rocket to the in his monologue was like sending the rocket to the moon. He's like, what you thought I was like a normal dude or like you expected me mm-hmm. to be normal. like that stuff just worked. And, and then he was like, hey, 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 you know, and like even his weird laughs where I was kind of like, I don't really know like what I'm watching. I'm like, but I'm certainly like, I don't want to turn it off. So that's, 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 that's kind of my, my review of, uh, of Mr. Musk on SNL. Well, this might be a good segue to go to from like a weird, unusual uh, host character to the most naturally gifted host character you could ask for. Excellent segue, Max. Uh, I think this is is now the time where we are going to bring on our feature guest, uh, Kayla Gray, who is hosting uh, and an executive producer on The Shift, uh, which you can watch Hopefully uh, Thursday, if you get this uh, episode in time, and if you are listening to this later in the week, go back, find her show. I'm sure it will be everywhere. Uh, Guys, uh, we did this interview right before we started recording today. Excellent conversation. Uh, Wonderful talking to her. Guys, you want to get to Kayla Gray? Let's do it. You've been, uh, we were just talking to Hannah. You've been doing lots of press. Yes, I know. My ugly face has been everywhere, which has been no, just uh, stop fun, that. fun, stop fun, right fun. Uh, it's weird. I don't like to be the center of attention, which is kind of odd because of the job that I do for a living. But I like yeah, to tell stories and not be the stories. No, no, no. I like to tell stories and not be the story. I like to tell stories and not be the stories. Let me be humble, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we're keeping that in. Let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, one of the interesting things about your sort of journey your story is you know you had to leave the toronto area to start your career uh in broadcasting so maybe let's start there and walk us through the decision to sort of leave and and why why you did that yeah the little scarborough girl decided to uproot her life and go to winnipeg of all places and shout out to the peg because it was like the best honestly the best experience ever they have some of the best pubs ever um but yeah i just figured that it was probably best for me to kind of make my mistakes elsewhere and learn elsewhere. Um, So yeah, I moved to Winnipeg and I worked for Global News out there and I was a broadcast journalist. So I was doing like weather backup. I was writing, I was producing, I was doing all those things and just learning so 
much and especially about like the indigenous story and the indigenous struggle as well i was not exposed to those uh conversations being in toronto because i just didn't have that diverse of a uh, friend group um so i went there and then i moved further uh northwest to prince rupert british columbia which like is the best place ever. I highly recommend Prince Rupert. Deers just like run through the middle of town. <laughs> you're act- like you're legitly like scared to hike because you think a bear is gonna just like come out and maul you. Like Prince Rupert was the best, probably one of the best, best, best stops I think on coming back to Toronto because again you learn so much. You get to see the country. Um, you, I was you know the senior reporter out there, so. That also meant that I had to shoot my own stuff, write my own stuff, uh, voice my own stuff. And so like you just saw me just like strolling around with my little like camera and like setting up my shots and stuff. It was so it was so fun to just like meet people and figure out what mattered most to them and engage in those conversations. Well, what's interesting is, um, you know, like when you work in multiple places before sort of coming back to the Toronto area and then working with TSN and on this show, The Shift, you're, you're an executive producer. And so one of the things that's fascinating to me is when you work with a wide variety of people is you sort of learn maybe what not to do uh, in, in sort of in situations within, you know, like when you're leading people, which, you know, aside from being the host, you are uh, executive producing the show. What are some of the things you learn sort of, uh, I'm not going to do that when I'm sort of in the position where I'm running my own, my own ship. Yeah. Uh, I think the the first thing that I always wanted to make sure we had a good understanding was, was what proper workplace culture looked like. Um, you know, part of my experiences when I had gone to kind of different places to get my career started and also even being back here at times was there was a lot of racism in the newsroom um, and a lot of times in which you felt as though your story, your voice, your lens did not matter. And so as an executive producer, that is my first and foremost goal is to make sure that we're laying down that foundation, that every contributor on the show feels like they are valued, feel as though that they are listened to and also empowered. So there'll be times where you're going to see someone who does or social media um, also on the show because to me it's all about growth like I think yes my big head is sort of at the front and the forefront of the show but I think that one thing I want to get clear is that it's not just the me show it's more so a community based show um, and community is basically the reason why I have my own show and I'm not uh, at all um, going to negate that fact so I just want to make sure that it's a space where you can just sort of feel heard and feel as though the ways in which you speak and talk and how you deliver your story matters here so yeah and we're gonna have fun because what it's sports and culture right like i mean that's that's gonna be like uh for for me that's what makes me happy that's what makes my my heart beat really fast so how can we not have fun talking about either do you have any uh reference points uh of other shows that you like that you're like oh we should take a little bit from pardon the interruption and we take a little bit of this a little bit of that like what are what are the like because when we're conceiving of a song or you know mike and shane work in television the references are kind of fun to throw around what are the references that you have in mind Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, I think the one thing, the one show that I was like, huh, we don't have something like that with sports has got to be the Patriot Act. I know it's no longer on Netflix, but Hassan Minaj, um, mm. just the way he's able to take a headline and add that nuance, but in such a digestible way. Um, I don't think that we've seen that yet in the Canadian sports landscape. So that for me was a huge, huge inspiration um, for some of the ways in which we want to tell stories and break down things. Um, but yeah, just like you normal PTIs. Uh, His and Hers was a show that I illegally streamed. Uh, It was an ESPN (laughs) show uh, hosted by uh, Jamel Hill and uh, Mike Smith and just sort of the ways in which they were able to just show up 
fully as themselves but just be super engaging if they wanted to have skits they could have skits if they wanted to do like a whiteboard where you kind of break down hey i don't know if you knew this fun fact but this is why it matters um or the ways in which that they weren't afraid to just like dive into topics that people would call controversial or something that you just don't go there in sport um those are sort of where i, I was hoping to kind of create this baby out of when it comes to inspiration <laughs> How much of the show is in the can right now and how much do you have to shoot just as you go to stay topical? We're shooting today. Oh, wow. And hey. the show airs on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Wish me luck, guys. No, but I think we wanted it to be that way because, again, we want to make sure that we're not missing anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of it, though, the great thing about this is we're a weird show where it's bi-weekly. Um, and why I wanted that to be the case is because every single day you're going to see content from us. So we're going to still have that consistent presence. But I think when we think about what we wanted the show to look like, we wanted it to be incredibly intentional. So if you were to ask me like, okay, how long is the show? I'll say anywhere from 22 minutes to 35 and sometimes maybe 15, because I think sometimes, I mean, as you guys know, with creating television, sometimes you feel like, shoot, we got 20 minutes of great content. Now we got to fill the last 10 minutes with fluff. And then it just sort of is like, well, then why? Your audience is bored and your audience also understands that you have to fill this with fluff and they're not dumb, right? So um, I think for us, we wanted to be really intentional about the show that we put out and we have that two weeks to really work on the writing, um, to work on the things that we want to talk about, to really uh, tailor our interviews for the interviewee. Um, That I think is something that a lot of people don't really do is you kind of have that sort of old school question, answer, question, answer. Um, But you realize, and I think in conversations that I've had with athletes is sometimes like the best stuff can come from them watching their high school tape. Like it just depends, right? So so it's Mm -hmm. just that, that I think to me is something that I'm trying to work into the show. And how does it work with actually shooting the show? Because now people are getting vaccines. It seems like maybe some people are in studio. But for you, are you doing this from home? Or like I have two kids about to barge in this room right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I've had a three-year-old. And my my three-year-old was uh, home for like, the last three weeks because there was a little bit of a COVID outbreak at his daycare. Everything's all good, thank gosh. Um, But these are the realities, right? Um, I think there are certain times where we're going to have panel discussions and I'm going to be sort of set up in this little corner here. But thankfully, we've been following the right protocols to have a very, very bare bones uh, crew when it comes to taping the show at a studio. Um, It's actually like a cool kind of like old house downtown, which is kind of nice and neat because we can... Oh, yeah. Oh, we're, we're... I was, like, I was like picturing like a studio up at Agent Court, like no! kind of like this classic sort of. No, 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 no. This is way cool. No. This is awesome. No, I, I think like don't let this shirt fool you, but I'm the graphics tea girl, very, very chill sneaker collector. And that's exactly how I'm going to show up on television. Um, I just wanted it to be really relaxed. Like I wanted it to be sort of like in a space that like, I don't know. Where do we have these types of conversations? Did, we, did I just surprise you with that? No, this is a niche a conversation studio? because, no, listen, because uh, I've obviously been up to Agent Court um, TSN building. These guys work for Bell as in their day job. Oh, and, yeah. And so, okay, but, and no, I know you're from Scarborough. No offense, but I hate going out there for, to Agent Court. Wow, for, Max. I really wow. do. I hate it. She's and definitely offended. Yeah, that's and, a fighting word. Listen, oh, I, it's, just, it's just too far. It's too far. Uh, yeah. where, is, where is the space downtown? I'm so, so jealous. So it's like, it's like John and Adelaide, right beside oh. Hooters. 
Oh, oh, oh right no. across from that's uh, I, I live in that neighborhood it's, literally right. until the yeah, pandemic. So John and Adelaide, so it's kind of like this like cool space. I think there's like office spaces in there, but because COVID, they don't use it anymore. But we're talking like exposed bricks and neon light, all of the things. That's sick. That's awesome. Yeah, like that. I, that's my vibe. Um, and and <laughs> I think the one thing, even in the pitching process, they're like, yeah, like we can like set it up here. I'm like, I don't want to be anywhere near a studio because I think, as you know, if you walk into a studio, there's a certain like your back. Gets it's too straight if that mm, makes sense yeah. like there's just a certain type of thing that just life that not sucks out of you because god i need to keep my job and i like the sports center studio if anyone's listening <laughs> to tsn but uh I, there's a when you have a more relaxed comfortable space i feel like some of the best ideas and conversations can come out of that especially for athletes that you know they they need a little bit more chill a little bit more of a familiar environment and the town's all downtown too so i imagine when you can get guests on the show like everybody hates going out there if they're like right. staying at a hotel downtown this way they can just walk over it'll be easy they can walk right over uh if we are you know hopefully with covid restrictions if they do lighten then we have that opportunity where they can kind of come in and chill and talk and go about their business but yeah downtown just felt like a better central space and i live downtown like there you i'm go. sorry if i don't need to be in scarborough i won't be in scarborough and i'm from there okay <laughs> <laughs> see max she can say that because okay, yeah i just can't say that you can't say that yeah, who the fuck are you buddy <laughs> no fair enough <laughs> um with throughout the you know you talk about this sort of like this set that you have throughout the pitching process and when you sort of conceived of the shift um how important was it? And did it feel like from the start that you were sort of able to sort of mold this thing in your image and with your vision? Yeah, it, it for me was the scariest thing. And I got in my head a lot because I think what I put forward or what I had written down was something like an idea just like this. But as you guys know in the business, People don't really bite on these ideas and often because they it takes a little bit of uh, imagination to see something like this actually take place. You have to be like, huh, so you want to do this in like not a studio? That's interesting. So you want to deliver sports but not sports highlights? Like, please walk me through that. Like, it's it was really a, a huge challenge for me to just like kind of get over the hurdles of like, okay, no one has seen this, but do it anyways, because you know, this might work. Um, and so for me with like building the deck, it was really important to have like a whole mood board. Like I was in my Pinterest bag. Okay. <laughs> I was pulling out all the, I was pinning everything. I was getting all like, it was, yeah, I, because I, I just knew what I wanted it to look like and feel like. And what the best part about all of this was, is when we had partnered with Dell, they had no feedback. Like literally, and, and, and that was, I was That's ready to, I was, those are good like, sponsors. I, those ones yeah, that are just like, here's the money. There and I was like, oh, they're going to say this and that, <laughs> and girl, you're going to hit them back with this, that, and this, and all the reasons. And I was like, ready to go. I was, I was ready to go Scarborough K to be like, listen, I'm defending mine. And then they were just like, nope, it's great. And I'm like, okay. Oh. Yeah. Isn't that scary though? Like yes. does, does, when the corporate overlords don't come down on you, you have no, no one to blame if it fails, oh. right? Exactly. So thank you very much. Cause now I'm feeling all this pressure. <laughs> if these, if these sure episodes don't go well, it's going to be, it fails, it. don't worry. If it fails, it's all on you, right? Kate? No, but I think for me, it was, it was one of those things where it was incredibly empowering because they were just like, listen, we trust you. We trust your voice. We trust your vision. We trust that you have a sense that an audience has an appetite for this. So just do you. 
and we'll get out of the way. Um, you know, and that also means certain topics that I want to talk about, you know, um, things that I think are important, conversations that are meant to be had. Um, I think over the last year, obviously, I've engaged and, and had a lot of very tough conversations. But I think also what I wanted to make clear, too, was this isn't just going to be a, a show for that, um, because I think we've been sort of sexualizing trauma a lot lately when we look at like you know what has bred from last summer right like all these like specialty shows about racism and trauma and pain and this and that and uh while those are very important to me what i think is also important is highlighting the joy and the creation and the contribution um and so that's what i want this space to feel like is just like yes we will we will tackle what we need to tackle and have the tough conversations that not many people are willing to openly have but what we also will tackle is reminding uh, marginalized communities communities in general just who they are and what they bring to the table what they brought to the table um how they push the needle when it comes to culture and 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 how we kind of go about our day-to-day lives. You know, I really love you on Twitter and you have so, <laughs> Not such many a, people do, man. No, 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 no. I know you're, you're like a really compelling uh, person to follow. And I was wondering, it's, you know, you mentioned like, you know, everything that's happened in the last year in the culture around race and, and the way people contribute to that conversation. Uh, have you, and I've, I've seen other celebrities and media personalities do this, like, have you created any like rules for yourself or what have you learned in the last year about like how you want to have the, that conversation? Uh, because it, Twitter is such a specific place to have hard, nuanced conversations. Uh, do, how do you conceive of it? And has, has it changed for you in the last year at all? Yeah. So when I made my debut on Sports, I was like the first black woman to host a flagship uh, highlight show. And I made the mistake then of searching up my name. Oh, sure. <laughs> Everyone does it. Come on. Yeah, I do. Television. On, we love yeah, ourselves. All right. Yeah. Sometimes I want to know how people feel about <laughs> me. me. Too, well, they me let too. me. Yeah. They let I do me it. It just says no it. results. Right. They, <laughs> <laughs> they let me know how they felt about seeing a black woman on their television. Oh, trust me. Yeah. And I think from that point on, I was like, okay, girl, you got to set some boundaries. Don't look up yourself. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I think over the last year, I was checking replies because it came out of a place of like fear. Um, like, mm-hmm. oh, what, did I say the right thing? This was my truth. How are people accepting my truth? Like, there's there's so much unconditioning, I think, that took place over the last year for me when it came to, like, actually speaking out. But what's wild is, you know, I've always had this voice and I've always kind of tweeted things like this. I think maybe the acceptance and tolerance for what I was saying has changed over the last little while. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the rules that I have is, you know, do not engage um it's funny when one of my friends cabby cabral richards he called me one day oh, and we're cabby, talking yeah. cabby was like in the words of jay-z never beef down so like if someone <laughs> if someone was like you know not less than but you know you're not gonna you're not don't fight an egghead on twitter that's stupid that you reserve your energy for other things like making a show or doing something positive or you know um so i always took that to heart um Instagram's a very interesting one. Uh, you know, I, I try to limit my son's posts because the last year has been really interesting with people coming after your kids that I've learned, which is really, really strange. Um, but yeah, I think over the last year, I had a couple of threats come in. Uh, yeah. And so 
But I think that, not that it was a good thing, it was kind of a healthy thing for me to see, like, okay, that really affects me because if someone sends a letter, which was the case to my work or whatever, then that feels incredibly personal. That's invasive. That, that, that's, that's not, that's past the border of, of social media, of Twitter, right? There's like, I don't know how, like it's a computer mm-hmm. wall, it feels like. Um, and so, so yeah, I think that kind of made me have tougher skin in how I kind of navigate uh, what I say and how I say it and where I say it. Um, but I, I don't think I've been discouraged at all in, in my messaging or, or what I'm, I'm about. Wow, that was a long answer. I'm sorry. No, it was, it was I took up the whole podcast with yeah, that. No, no. My gosh. So, so someone sent you a letter, but are you able to like have those people arrested? Like, Are these people in jail so right now? This is also uh, one of the things I would love to talk about in, in future is, uh, you know, uh, the systems in place in our city and I think province is when a woman or someone feels threatened via letter there's really not that much people can like police can do um unless that they're like they can kind of they take it and they put a police record to it um we've seen and i think this was this was i always believe something happens for a reason because this helped me like dive into like other cases where you know women have felt threatened and have come forward but have gotten no help and have almost felt like you essentially have to almost get killed in order for people to like step in is like sort of like the levels and processes. Um, but yeah, you, you can report it to the police and they'll keep it on file, but there's not that much more they can do with that. Especially if it's anonymous. It seems counterintuitive that it has to escalate to a point where you're in true danger and that you can't, that, that, yeah. and, and the problem is the words create this sort of like this environment of fear, but with no repercussions. So then you just sort of have to live in that mo- like that sort of mode until it escalates. Yeah, but I mean, we see this all the time. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many times do people say the most cruel things online with their whole chest, but like Twitter doesn't really do anything? How long did it take Twitter to kick Donald Trump off of? Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's like, yeah, I think that we live in a in a time where people feel so emboldened to just be nasty because they have a proven track record that they won't really get in trouble for it. It feels like uh, there was a, there's sort of this like, this younger community of sort of like sports journalists and people, especially like around the Raptors. Like we're friends with Blake Murphy. Blake. <laughs> and, and, and it seems like there was sort of like, just as an outside observer, sort of like following along on Twitter and all of the socials and stuff like that, that you guys sort of have all come up together over the last sort of like few years and that there's a real camaraderie there and everyone's pulling for each other. Is, is that sort of the, the, am I getting the, a proper sense for what that, that yes, community of camaraderie is like? Oh, we're, it's the whole team. The home team's the best team. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think because, like, you know, we were kind of there before the Raptors were hot, in a sense. Um, I mean, they've always been a great franchise, but to just sort of kind of be there years before and to understand, like, well, I'm using, uh, we miss him, Norm Powell's understand the grind. But it truly is a family, like, you know, pre-pandemic, you're there at shoot-around, you're there at the games, you're there until, like, 12 o'clock at night, you know, waiting for... He's not with the team anymore, but Serge Ibaka to come out of the shower, which that took forever, everybody. He was the longest Raptor to wait for after when it came to post games. The quickest he He's took. clean man. No, the quickest he took, because he has like this whole facial routine that he goes through. The fastest he's ever taken to come out of the showers was when he got ejected from a game. And that still took pretty long. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, but I, I, I say that to say like, yeah, like the kind of like the younger, the He's younger the hottest generation. guy in the league though. We can say that, right? 
mean, so like it's that great. don't come for free, everybody. No, it exactly. takes time. There's there, there's work <laughs> and routine that goes into it, but um, yeah, I think like with you know Alex Wong with Blake uh, with Sarah Sohi who's now at the Ringer. I'm so I just happy saw that. for her. Yeah, that's yeah huge. she's she's actually on the first episode, so that my people have to be. I know, so I'm excited. Um, but just so many different like faces and 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 people that you've kind of come up with that you just feel like yeah, it's family. You just want each other to, to win. You know, actually and speaking want, of yeah, of that is uh, so we're we all have Hamilton roots, and um, so we know the Nurse family obviously, and seeing. Yeah. The broadcast with Kia was amazing. And also our good, good friend, Matt McPeak, is the brother of Meg. And so uh, oh, you so... Uh, look at you Hamilton folk. Yeah, so Mike and Shane have known Meg since she was a kid. And and seeing her rise is just so incredible. And we're so yeah. proud. And and that... So yeah, talk, talk about... I know you probably talked a lot about the, that day, but with the all-female broadcast. Like we were so, so excited to see that happen. And we want to see more of it. How was it on your end? What are the things that stick out the most for that yeah, day? Yeah, I think what was what was so great because I think Megan and I also came up around the same time too um and just it just felt like holy crap I get to work with you know Kate Burness, Amy Otterberg, Megan McPeak, Kia um women who are just so dope at what they do like they're just something I mean when you all come together you're like yeah y'all are so dope individually at what you do doing something collectively just feels good. Like, I didn't even know if it was, like, me, the historical significance. It was just being able to collab for a game with people that are just so good at what they do. Like, that, to me, was dope. Um, And then also, too, it was nice to, like, get... the support from like the NBA community, which is, it seems like a big one, but it's a pretty small one. Um, and so to ha- kind of reach out and, you know, there were others, uh, there was a Sacramento broadcast that I think happened a week later where it was an all-female plus non-binary broadcast. That was really special to also lend our support that way. Um, the Warriors radio also had their own all-women broadcast. Um, so just to sort of see sort of all of that happen together at once in the NBA family was really, really special. Uh, the NBA was kind enough to send me this nice like photo and it had like the score sheet and everything. It was we really saw cute. that. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. That, that was really special. So um, yeah, I want more. We need to see more truly. <laughs> Amen. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm sort of going to go into my last question unless Shaney or Max, you guys have anything else for Kayla before we, uh, we wrap. We this? could talk for hours, but let's, we really uh, I, I know we're on a schedule. <laughs> Is this the, Max, we're connecting and we talk all the time back and forth on social media. I know, it's really I, upsetting. It's, it's really one of those upsetting. things that in my mind, I, I was thinking about this morning. I was like, have we actually ever talked? It's because social media does that thing where you're like, wait a second, I've never met this person in real life. I, they, I feel like they're my friend. <laughs> and, okay, and, here's the real question. Max, do you think I'm cool now? Of course. I, I thought you were cool lo- a long time ago. What are we talking <laughs> about? Look, Shane and Mike are like, what the heck is this? Lord <laughs> oh, I thought there was a backstory there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Max. Uh, <laughs> no backstory. No backstory. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, no, Shane. You know what? You just have like friends in your head. That's mm-hmm. Max. Yes, is it. Well, I, in my head. Oh, just I'm a glad. friend in All my head. All of my friends are in my head. Yes. You see, like. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I am the only friend. <laughs> um, so, so I, as I sort of wrap this up, this is more of sort of an existential question or a question, sort of about how mm. how one views themselves, because I think we all go through this at different points in our career. But when you're young and you get into broadcasting or being on air, you have an idea in your mind of what making it looks like, and then you sort of get mm-hmm. to one spot and you go, "Oh, I thought that." Would have been making it but now there's another level of the video game 
do you with the billboards everywhere and at this sort of moment in your career do you feel like you you made it or is it an ever-evolving feeling and how is it now in reality compared to how maybe you envisioned it when you were younger yeah i think um it's really weird like sure we're in a, a industry that it can be very vain i love to hear myself talk obviously um but driving around and seeing yourself on a billboard is strange like it's it's really weird and and why i say that is because you know uh, my upbringing like i lived on my own at 15 years old like i got kicked out of two high schools <laughs> graduated high school from an there? adult i went to don mills collegiate and then i went to victoria park collegiate oh, wow <laughs> You, so you're and a little. Then, can you say why you got? Yeah, kicked I want to know this. This is the best uh, part. I, I skipped so much school because I was living on my own, so I was working and yeah. trying to make ends meet. Um, but also, I, I don't know. I like I failed English like a shit ton of times, and <laughs> I'm, I talk for a living. It's weird. Um, but wow. like just even that, and just I had a really bad bout with depression as a teenager as well. Like so, it's like when I see that, I don't even know if it's like. Um, kind of an over-encompassing thought of like, wow, this is you and your career that's changing. It's more so like, this is like 15-year-old you would have like, would have like, imagine if 15-year-old knew, knew this was coming. Like, and, and I, and I say that, but then I'm also like, but I needed to go through my stuff. Like I needed to, to kind of go through my stuff and add a little bit of depth to like who I am. Um, but yeah, just to sort of see this, I think for me, it is always evolving but I don't know if it's evolving in a sense of like the accolades or the accomplishments in my career. It's more so me as the person, me as what I see as someone who trusted in themselves and tried and someone who uh, didn't give up. That's who I see on that billboard as opposed to like, hey, it's Kayla Gray on, on the billboard with the shift coming up, you know? It's so inspirational. I want to do another podcast, just learn learning about you in high school, because uh, yeah, oh gosh, I think we if could I all was, learn something there. It's funny. I deleted my Facebook so I could rid of all the fo- the photos that I had from high school, and I like reactivated. And there was one where I had like I had shaved my head. Like there, <laughs> she was going through some things in high school. But yeah, we should do. We should do. Uh, we should for sure have a follow up podcast of of messy messy Kayla back in the day. Yeah, and that would be your TED talk. It'd be good. Yes. 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 That'd be awesome. Sorry, Shane. Well, you, you finish it off, Shane. What do you got? Oh, when you're on a billboard, how long after the billboard is up does it take to rush there and take the photo? <laughs> like, how long do you wait? Yeah, it was. I'd be uh, there as they were plastering I, it up. I think. I think I waited like a week, and uh, my son's father, God bless him, he uh, found routes to get to where like where I could illegally go and take a photo, mm. but it's fine. I'm Supportive. from Scarborough. We don't, we don't ask questions as to how and where I got this photo. Just know that I found <laughs> a way to take the photo as close <laughs> as possible to, to where it was, where it was. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for your time and all the best with the, for the, with the show. We're all be watching it on Thanks Thursday for night. Having me. Wow. Yeah. This was therapeutic. Mm. I like y'all. Can I back? <laughs> we'll do it again. We'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right, guys. Thank Thanks you so much. So much. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Have a great, great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. All right. Thank you so much to Kayla Gray for joining us. Check out her show, The Shift. Um, guys, it is that time in the show where it is the Shane's Surprise. 
Okay, uh, so last week um, I brought in a guest, Todd Leggett. Was that was that a hit or no, Max? What, just asking you first. Okay, you know, was that a hit? you know what's interesting about this is that um, full disclosure, I was late to get to the farmers market, my volunteering gig, and I was really distracted because normally the uh, desserts go for you know roughly five to ten minutes. And how long was that dessert? Like not including any edits that we made might have made. You said you you had until three thirty, and it ended, I believe, at three twenty two. Oh, did it? Am I <laughs> yeah? Am I retelling history right now? Well, I was I was paying attention to the time, but you seemed very disengaged to say it as nicely as possible. Yeah, I think because my sister was like texting me saying like, "Oh, I'm on the way down with Emma. We're about to be here." So even though like the and by the way, the farmers market started at three thirty. I thought we were gonna be wrapped mm. up by three ten. It would give me a minute to like you know collect myself, get my stuff together, and then go. So. In my mind, I was going to be done the pot at three ten. That's probably why yeah. I, I was seeming somewhat disengaged. But but anyway, um, I, I you know we sent the pot around, and uh, your brother Greg said this is the best episode of all time, and the Todd segment was was the best thing he's ever heard. So uh, as much as I was just maybe distracted and not totally in it, the feedback seems to be pretty good. Well, Todd was a little concerned because he called me right after that we recorded. And unfortunately for him, uh, his phone or whatever he was recording on only had you as the f- picture <laughs> like on his Zoom. Screen. So yeah. on his Zoom, so he couldn't see Mike and I actually being interested in what he was saying. And you were like looking at your phone. Now, obviously, you didn't know you were the only focus no. that Todd could see. So you were like very disengaged. So I was like telling Todd, which is kind of true. Like, oh, like. Max is like that. The last segment, he kind of wants to get going. You know, these rock stars and like going last. It's kind of like the last place in a relay race. It's There's a lot of pressure going last. Yeah, yeah. Especially for you because you. it's not that you don't suffer fools. I don't think Todd's a fool. It's just you have no patience mm. for things unless it's like 100% snappy and like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair enough. Like you listening to your farmer's market story, I don't think you could have gotten through that. <laughs> but for, like for Mike and I, we're, we're into it. <laughs> I've told the farmer's market story like 17 times uh, this week already, so I kind of lost the train of thought a little it's, bit. It's there. a hit. No, it's a good story. Okay. No, I, and I mean no disrespect to the story. I'm just saying some stories take longer to, to sure, get there. Sure, sure, sure. So, with that in mind, I'll get to my point, unless you want to just No, 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 no. Go, go to your point. Okay. Go to your point. No, I'm just going to get into the actual, like, what I had planned. Okay. Unless you have something else. Oh, the only thing I, the only piece of, if we want to call it constructive feedback uh, for that segment in the last episode, was that mm-hmm. typically, if there's a bit of a back and forth, and if you look at, like, the wavelengths of everybody's <laughs> Like the uh, audio feed, files? The, the audio files. Yeah. There's, the waveforms. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, you know, you can see how, you know, how people are talking and when people are talking and how it's distributed. But, um, yes. I had planned that episode very differently. It was supposed to be, in my mind at least, Mm -hmm. it was supposed to be more me talking to Todd Mm -hmm. about that moment and having little moments like that. However, when you haven't been on a podcast before... You get you can get nervous, of course, and he did so he did an you, excellent job. Hey, when the Todd gets on a roll, it was it turned yeah. into a Toddcast, you know, yeah. and he he got going and yeah. people loved it. It's true, and, and according to Greg, I, I think it, it went as good as it possibly could have gone, and he's a very harsh critic. He is. So to him to give us a nine out of ten, that's pretty. <laughs> Greg good actually told a great story about how he was listening to it on the plane ride home <laughs> with TFC, and I think they might have after a big they loss. had just lost yeah. and. 
and Michael Bradley sitting behind him, and Greg is just convulsing with laughter during the whole time. <laughs> and like, you can imagine Bradley's not in a great mood. So great, so funny. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm a little bit nervous right now. I hope this goes well. So I'm giving you two options, okay, mm. Max? So pick the one that interests you mm, the okay. most. I like uh, it. There's a, a vaccine uh, pop-up that they're giving free beer out Ooh. to people who get the vaccine. And it was the biggest turnout they've had, I think, in the States in the, the longest time to get this free beer. So one option is, what do you think would be the most enticing thing oh. to actually get people to turn out and get a vaccine? So that's option that's one. Nice. Think about yes. that, okay? Option two, Tom Cruise is giving back his Golden Globes. Mm. Oh, big story. The, the, I don't think the panel is racially diverse at all. It seems like it's just a bunch of white people on the panel of the Golden the Globes. The Hollywood Foreign Press. And yes. the way they do business and yeah, the, uh, the, the voting block has been called into uh, to question and everybody's turned. I on. didn't have time to Google what uh, <laughs> F, <laughs> HFP was. So I'm glad you clarified that. I was like, sounds like a panel, um, <laughs> which, which pretty much is right. The Hollywood Foreign Press is just the panel. It's like, it's like a voting block of like movies. something like 60 yeah. uh, journalists from around the world. And they're the ones that decide the, the winners of these things. But it's, it's for years, it's always been controversial because it's like, like Emily in Paris got nominated for a couple of Golden Globes, but basically because uh, Netflix uh, wined and dined a couple of these press members. So they got like an all-inclusive trip to like Barcelona or something. So then of course they're going to nominate them in some categories. And so it's always been a little bit of, a, of an issue. So that including this like major lack of diversity, et cetera, et cetera. NBC has dropped the show. So they're not airing it uh, next year. Oh, and wow. and then Tom Cruise gave back his Golden Globes uh, and everybody's, all the studios have backed out. So they're, they're probably... They're probably done. What would be the hardest award for you <laughs> to give back, guys? Great question. Okay. Well, you got two options, Max. You can either do the awards or you can do the uh, the best, the most enticing thing for a uh, You know, I think the, the Hollywood Foreign Press one is interesting and maybe deserves a, a segment off the top of the show because it's actually kind of like an interesting, more serious conversation. Now that we're in the Shane's Dessert, which is a little bit more fun, um, I'm going to go with the first subject. So my question for you guys, though, is what... Um, What's the price limit, I guess, on the giveaway? Because if you're like, everybody gets a free fucking laptop or something, then, you know, you, the sky's the limit. It's like, everyone gets a free car. Like, so, I mean, a beer costs nothing. So for them to give out a free beer and a shot, I think the branding of that is really good. Everybody likes free beer. Beer and a shot, that's cool. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I like that a lot. Uh, there's also tickets to, like, the baseball game. I think if you went to Yankee Stadium and you got Ooh, vaccinated. sports you, tickets. You, you, yeah, sports tickets would be great really, one. really good. What about Dogecoin? Oh. Because oh. nobody knows what the fuck that is or how to start an account. And if somebody could just start it for you and give it to you with the shot, you'd be like, I'm going to be rich. No, I think anybody, I think most people statistically that are interested in Dogecoin and, like, know how the internet works and are generally, like, you know, I think would understand why the vaccine is maybe important. I think the people that a lot of people that aren't getting the vaccine um, aren't online as much. I don't think there's like, they don't maybe might not know where to get the vaccine. They might not be connected to the community. So that's why these like greater pulls involving beer and sports is, is, is attractive to, to that segment. I think I'm getting that right. Um, but good question. I mean, beer and sports like, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I think I think that cold hard cash, obviously, but let's say that we're not allowed to just give away cold hard cash. If you give everyone a $100 bill to show up, 
you'd have an amazing turnout. $100 is very enticing. If it was something that, if it wasn't cash, I think if you gave everybody like a 50-inch flat screen TV, everybody would show. Mm, people yeah. love TVs. Even if they don't need a TV, people just love shiny new TVs in a box. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> but Mike, yeah. part of the challenge is finding something affordable, right? Like that would be like, yeah, hey, let's give everyone a million bucks. Get while Sony involved. They'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me think. Something affordable that you could give somebody. So so let's say it's under like 100 bucks, under 50 bucks, something because I guess beer is pretty cheap right especially beer, in the yeah like i was thinking five dollars in dogecoin and then people would come out thinking they could turn sell that in a few years for mm. thousands <laughs> i think i saw like a headline that said that there was a boss that paid his employees in dogecoin and now they're trying to actually just give them cash and get the dogecoin back because it went through the roof and the employees oh, really? were, yeah 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 anyway uh that's a good question shane something for okay a mcdonald's combo like food mm. food would get people yep, out that would work food would yeah. get people out i think a pizza if you got, if you could walk away with a, like a medium Domi's, I think a lot of people would be getting the jab. Yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think. Okay, you guys are onto something. I think you need to be able to speak to the community that are vaccine hesitant. So it's like, like I think demographically speaking, there might be, you know, like some of the. Tr- oh, you get America, make America great again. <laughs> 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 Okay, that's it. That's the cut.